Hello and welcome to the Surgical Spirit Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Haider Al-Hakim, the Third Eye Doctor. Pull up a chair and get ready for some candid and uncompromising discussion with experts, innovators, agitators, and influential people from every corner of health and well-being. From inside the hospital to at home in the kitchen, we're leaving no stone unturned in our quest to uncover the secrets of healthier, happier, more successful, and less stressful lives. Thank you so much for joining us, and without further ado, let's meet this episode's guest. Hello and welcome. Uh, this is Dr. Haider Al-Hakim, and welcome to the Surgical Spirit podcast. Um, I'm really excited today because it's one of our first podcasts, uh, and I'm really excited uh, for being with us today, and even more exciting is we have Dr. Yumesh Prabha, who's, um, I don't know if you've read his uh, bio, he's done a lot. Um, too much for me to actually <laughs> mention with the introduction here. Um, so hello, Yumesh, how are you? I'm extremely well, Haider. Thank you very much for asking me to be a part of your broadcast. You're welcome. It's an absolute pleasure. Um, I, I think the first time that I read your content was on uh, Twitter. And I must say, um, your views, um, I'd say, are not confrontational, but they're very, very forceful, very forceful comments. And I know you're very passionate about the NHS. Um, could, could, could you tell us about your, your journey to the NHS? Two things. Number one is, for me, being a doctor and being a leader is nothing but serving humanity. Mm. Unless you understand the leadership, you have no right to be a leader. Mm. I, I had an amazing career. I was trained in India. I wanted to be a pediatrician in India. I had no intention of coming anywhere near NHS. Mm. I didn't know the meaning of NHS in 1980s. Mm. But unfortunately in India, even though I had distinction, I was not selected to do my post-graduation. Mm. All I wanted to do MD, which is a post-graduation in India, and settle in my town as a pediatrician. But unfortunately, I struggled for two years to get a postgraduate degree of seat to be selected to do my postgraduation. So my friend from Hartlepool came to India. Mm. I went to say hello to him. He was my senior. Mm. And he felt sorry for me. He said, why don't you come to UK? Mm. I didn't know United Kingdom was made up of four countries. <laughs> I didn't know anything about NHS. So that was in August 1982. He said, why don't you come to UK? And he told me, what is NHS? So I went and told my father, I'm going to UK. And my father had a shock. Hmm. Well, I'm from a small village and from a poor background. Hmm. And he said, the only thing is you got to get married and go. And that is what I did, got married and came here in 1982. So you got married before it. you left? Yeah, pardon? Oh. That was the uh, that was the stipulation from your father. That's right. That's the only condition. And uh, he said, I don't have money, so I borrowed money from the bank, three hundred pound, and my ticket, mm. and I came to this country, and I had an amazing career. And reality is, I had I brought with three hundred pound cash with me. Two hundred eighty was taken by an Indian, never returned it back. <laughs> and I was stealing. I was stealing in bread in doctor's mess. And one of the registrar from Bombay saw me stealing bread and went and told the consultant who wow. gave me clinical, who, who, and the consultant called me, gave me clinical attachment, 
and gave me 100 pound that is how i started my career <laughs> wow wow so you started in hartlepool with the um with the same doctor that um introduced you into the nhs that's right that's right and oh. dr welsh was the consultant one of the nicest human being i have ever worked for and yeah. he was very impressed he gave me initially locum yeah and then i you know became a I applied for a job in Bury. I applied for 60 jobs in 1982. I was not shortlisted. My friends asked me to be a psychiatrist. I said, no, I would rather be a pediatrician or go back to India. And yeah. I got a job in Bury where I became SHO and registrar. Then I did my further training in Oxford and in Edinburgh Children's Hospital and Manchester. In 1982, I was appointed as a consultant pediatrician to Fairfield near in Bury, near Manchester. What was it like working in the NHS in the early 80s as a um, Indian I, doctor? I, to be honest with you, the NHS is absolutely great. I, you know, I'm very fond of NHS. I'm very proud of NHS. It's a great institution. Hmm. And I really enjoyed being a pediatrician because you have got authority to practice the way you want hmm. and you don't take money and it's a fantastic facility. But over the last 10 years, NHS has changed beyond recognition. Mm. That is what I think the culture of NHS has changed completely. And doctors have got the responsibility, but the authority has been given to managers. Mm. It's a mm. management culture. Please understand this. It is not a managers I'm blaming. It's a management culture, which is the problem. Mm. And in management culture, is people tell you what to do. And if you don't do, they blame you. Mm. It's in simple words, whereas leaders inspire, motivate, help, support, guide, and get the best out of staff. Mm. And that mm. is the culture we need, and that is what we need. I think that's the reason why NH is a great institute. I had a great you know, career, and I, was, I became clinical director within two months of joining the pediatric department. I've always wanted to be a leader, and I had a fantastic colleague. We developed a very good department. And then in 1982, within a short period of being a consultant, I made serious mistake. And six-week-old baby developed brain damage. Mm. That changed my life. I told, it affected me to a great extent. Six things went wrong. There were two babies with the same name, same date of birth next to each other. Mm. And I saw faint bruising. So I asked my junior doctor to get a skeletal survey. Mm. He didn't realize there was one more baby. So you can see how things went wrong. Okay. He picked up the wrong case notes and requested the skeletal survey for the wrong baby. I didn't realize it was the wrong baby. I sent the baby home. Stepfather was abusing the baby. He stamped on baby's skull and baby was admitted to Rochdale with a severe brain damage. And the consultant rang me. She said, Dr. Prabhu, this x-ray can't be normal. And when I looked at the x-ray, when I went to see the baby in Rochdale, I saw the x-ray. There were 27 refractures and 15 of them were old refracture. Hmm. So many things went wrong and that affected me. Today I would have been suspended. Today I would have been referred to GMC and my name would have been in the media. But 1982 regulation was not very strict. I put six systems in place. I developed interest why doctors make mistake and that took me everywhere. It, I understood organizational culture, leadership, governance and everything. And in Barry, with the help of my colleagues, we transformed the department and made it one of the best department. And I was asked to be the medical director of Berry. When I was medical director of Berry, I was managing doctors. I mm. hated the 
my language was different. I was just simply because I had passion, but mm. I didn't know how to communicate. I was getting upset easily. Mm. And I didn't I didn't like the job at all. I made some changes, but mm. I just didn't enjoy the job. And then Barry merged with Rochdale Oldham to create Penine Trust. And I became NPSA board member, National Patient Safety Agency board member. Mm. And I also became National Clinical Assessment Service, which is now under NHS res- re- resolution. Mm. And I became the national advisor for the country. And I given advice to probably 300 medical directors. Mm. And that is where I saw tragedy after tragedy for doctors as well as patients. And then I became GMC advisor. 27 doctors have committed suicide. 84 have died within a year of referral to GMC. I saw tragedy after tragedy, both for doctors and patients. So I wanted to go somewhere and show how to transform. And I joined Ridington Vegan and Lee Foundation Trust as a medical director in 2010. And it took me only six years to transform. And we reduced harm to patient by 90%. I didn't do it. It was done by wonderful staff of Ridington, Wigan and Lee, and I was helped by consultants, junior doctors, GPs, and 22 medical leaders, and we did it together. That's that's um, that's an amazing uh, feat, amazing feat. Uh, if, if, if we can go back to sort of your first leader, your first medical leader that you remember, what were the qualities that, that they had that, that really shaped you? I think my grandma, my grandma was a lady, was a very short lady, four foot eleven. She lost mm-hmm. her husband when she was only, my mother was only seven years of age. Mm. And she was, you know, she was working in many houses to look after three children. Mm. And her values, she was one of the most kind person. Mm. She was, you know, very courageous lady. She was Mahatma Gandhi's follower. Mm. And her advice to me, she said, always be honest, always be sincere. Mm. See good in others, do good to others. Mm. Work hard and focus only on you. And one day you will be somebody. And one thing she said, when you're doing something right, don't be afraid of anybody. The courage is the most important quality of a leader. Mm. And she brought me up. She brought me up. And that's the reason why. And then I studied Mahatma Gandhi, Nelson Mandela, Martin Luther King. And I also studied Hitler and Saddam Hussein. Mm. And I realized immediately the difference between a leader. One is inspires people, motivates them, gets the best out of human being. He or she knows the purpose. That is Saddam Hussein and Hitler, they suppress, they oppress the people. Mm. In a culture of bullying, people don't speak up because they do bare minimum and you don't inspire them. Mm. And that is what has happened to our NHS today. So there's a lot of suppression. It's about the suppression that goes on. That's- that is correct. But let me tell you, NHS has you know, got a lot of good things. At Mahatma Gandhi's quote I would like to quote is, he says, don't lose faith in humanity. Humanity is an ocean. Few mm. dirty drops do not make ocean dirty. Mm. NHS has got a lot of good things. It has got, it, you know, each year 360 million patients are seen by 1.3 million staff. Mm. It mm. has amazing value-based doctors and nurses who want to do their best for their patients. That is why NHS is the easiest organization to turn it around. Mm. Because when intelligent doctors don't feel valued, don't feel respected, don't feel listened, day in and day out, they just get fed up and they just want to do a job and go home. Mm. What we want to do is we want to translate that energy 
and make them into leaders and empower them, liberate them, and make sure they do their best for their patient. Because 95% of doctors want to do their best for their patient. It's mm. not just the doctors, it's the nurses, pharmacists, everybody want to do their best for their patient. But it's the system, it is the process, it is lack of governance is what we got to address. Mm. And it's all to do with the culture. Mm. Mm. When, when did you notice the culture changing or the system changing to the detrimental effects of the patients? I think, I think it started probably with labor government giving a lot of money. You mm. see, labor government gave a lot of money. It was the right thing to do. Mm. But they removed doctors from leadership position. They mm. brought management culture. And that is what PFI, for example, they introduced PFI, the MMC, Modernizing Medial, Medical Carrier. Mm. And the board member, today board member has got 80% of non-clinical. There is only medical director and a nurse director who are clinical. Mm. The rest of them are all non-clinical. What they do is they focus on target. They focus on finance. They put staff under pressure. What you got to do is targets are important. Finance is very important. But you have to work with the staff. Mm. In Ridington and Wigan and Lee, the whole board, I was able to convince them. And the board said the staff, if it's not safe, please don't do it. Mm. Come and meet us talk to us mm. and 70 staff came to see me in confidence so the deterioration started with the labor government giving a lot of money but excluding the doctors from leadership and doctors have got the best ability to be leader because mm. this is where you got to understand the ability and capability mm. Mahatma Gandhi says I'm able to be a good man or a bad man I'm able to be a good leader or a bad leader but I must make myself a good leader what happens to our doctors is our own ego comes in the way, mm. our own anger, our own frustration, they come in the way of being a leader because a leader must stay very calm when going gets tough. Your leadership is tested when everything around you collapses. Mm. That is the time you have to stay calm and bring everyone on board. Mm. 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 So is your grandmother that sort of gave you those qualities of true leadership um when, when when did you think about becoming a doctor when when did that come into your mind in fact it's a very interesting i didn't want to be a doctor <laughs> <laughs> i wanted to be a businessman because my father is a businessman in a small village and i was you know wearing saris because it was a cloth shop and mm. in india i used to wear saris and show it to people when i was seven years old and I was very clever, I was very cheeky, I got a great sense of humor. And imagine a cute seven-year-old boy wearing a sari and selling the sari. So I was very good at selling things. Yeah. And many people told my father, put him in business. Mm. But it is my sister who wanted to be a doctor. Mm. In 1960s, she got entry into three medical college. She was very bright. Mm. But because she was a woman, she was not allowed by the family. Mm. And she cried for three days. Imagine, I was just, I was very fond of her. Mm. And I was very upset that she was crying. And one day she told me, I'm going to make you a doctor. That is actually what happened. <laughs> so when you know, I finished my you know, PUC, which we call A11, mm. and I was doing engineering. But one day I got a phone call from my father. You got an interview for medical college next week. And I said, I've not applied. She said, your sister had applied. And oh, my, wow. sister <laughs> my sister is responsible for me becoming a doctor. <laughs> wow, what, what, I mean, how how did she teach you? What what did she um, 
what what was it that she taught you to become a doctor? You said that I think I think she is one more. I think she had a lot of qualities about from my grandma. She's a very kind and caring person. Mm. She loves everyone. She's like a matriarch. She's good at bringing everyone together. Mm. And she always has a smile in her face. Mm. And she is my role model. Mm. And because I was very close to her, I was very fond of her. She is the one who guided me into many things. Why medicine is important. Why serving people is important. And that's the reason why even today I'm extremely close to her. Her husband was a cardiologist. Now he has got dementia. Mm. But she still, you know, inspires me every time I meet her. What is she doing now? She's a housewife. Yes. Because she didn't do medicine. She then married. And her son is a nephrologist in the United States doing very well. Her husband was a very famous cardiologist in Bombay. And now he has got dementia. So my plan is to make NHS one of the best places for patients with dementia and elderly patients. Wow, yeah, I mean, that's that's such a major, major challenge now for um, a lot of people, dementia and and the Alzheimer's side of, uh, of cognitive decline. Uh, that's gonna be such a big challenge. Um, so she got her wish. She got many doctors. Your sister. Sorry? Your, your I, sister I got her know, wish. I, I, I think our family has got quite a few doctors. And uh, now my nephew is a doctor, you know, my son is a doctor. So there are many people now, because I think there is nothing like medicine. You know, the reward that you get, the people ask me, why, you know, what's in being a good doctor you enjoy? The best thing is you see a child with meningitis, unconscious, mm. and that child gets better mm. and waves goodbye to you and hugs you. You can't get that happiness anywhere else. Yeah. So medicine is one of the most noble profession, wonderful profession. It's a most trusted profession. Oh yeah, de definitely. I mean, seeing seeing just a smile and just seeing their eyes change from something that's um, in in a desperate situation to in being in a hopeful situation. Just seeing their you know their eyes change. I mean, for me as an ophthalmologist, you know, I sort of see that quite often, and it's um, it's a special feeling. You know exactly, and, exactly. And, and and now these days, what most people talk about is is the financial reward of jobs, and that's kind of taken a um, a front seat these days when it comes to being in the profession. I think I think the whole society has changed, mm. and you can't blame the doctors for it. Mm. But I think one more thing: most doctors are not after money. If you look at now how many doc consultants do private practice in NHS, I was shocked when I saw the details. It's only 30 to 40 percent do private practice. Mm. 60 to 70 percent do not do private practice. And even those who do private practice, as a medical director, I told this to Simon Stephen. I said, Simon, even those who do private practice, their commitment to NHS comes first. It's only 10% would I would say misuse their authority, misuse their position. I had to tackle some consultants for that. But vast majority doctors went into medicine to do good to human beings. Mm -hmm. It's a system corrupts them, perverse incentive. But I mean, why, why, why is it that the so many pay the price for the so few? You I'm know, sorry. Why, why, why is it that the so many pay the price for the so few? I mean, you know, if yeah, the but that's a good question. That's exactly what you have to remember. Go back to Mahatma Gandhi's quote: "Humanity is an ocean. Few dirty drops do not make ocean dirty." Eighty percent of people are very nice. Whether you are a Hindu, Muslim, English, white, Indian, doesn't matter. Iraqi, Egyptian. 
they want to do the right thing for the fellow human being. Mm. But unfortunately, the leaders are the crucial. Mm. There is a saying in my mother tongue, Tatha Raja, Tatha Pracha. As is the king, so is the disciples. Mm. If the king is a bully, the whole system becomes bullying. That is where culture is very, very crucial. That is why transformation of vegan is extremely important. It was a nurse-led, pace-setting culture. Her heart was in the right place. She wanted to do the right thing. But the nursing style is telling people what to do. Mm. And that is what it was dominated by only few individuals. Culture in any organization, any group is decided by few individuals. Mm. And we don't, culture is like diabetes. You don't even realize you have, you don't even see it, but it gradually kills you. Mm. The culture is very, very crucial. What has happened to NHS reflects a society. Mm -hmm. Society itself is now becoming, there is racism, there is discrimination, there is bullying, there is greed, everything. What we got to do is, that is why I'm so fond of NHS. NHS can show the society. Mm -hmm. We got to create a kind, caring, compassionate society, kind, caring, compassionate culture where the greed is not that important. You mm -hmm. meet the needs of the people. Mm -hmm. Um, did, did you experience any racism in the NHS? I have experienced, but let me tell you, people ask me that question very commonly. Let me tell you, most of the time I've been treated very fairly. Let me mm. give you an example. In Edinburgh, when I applied for the rotational registrar, there were three jobs, three white candidates, local guides, uh, and three overseas trained doctors. We were all talking, saying that they will get the job, mm. but all three overseas doctors got the job because mm. we had membership. They didn't have membership. Mm. And that's the reason why. Vast majority time, I have been treated very fairly. As I told you, I've been medical director for now 15 years. And I've been an NPSA board member, NCAS advisor for the country and everywhere. But I have faced racism on three occasions. And one is I applied for a job in GMC, assessor. I was shocked at the way I was interviewed. Mm. All three panels were white. I had no doubt they had decided even before they asked me a question not to appoint me. But because I talk very honestly and I talk very sincerely, I speak my mind. Sometimes people don't like it. They think you are a cocky. They think you are overconfident. Mm. And that's the reason why. But the same next day I was interviewed by NCAS, an amazing experience. Wonderful people in the panel. I got the job. Number two, there was one job as a senior registrar. There was only one white girl. 14 of us were overseas trained, and everybody knew I was the best candidate. They gave it to the girl who had only one year experience. Did From they the say why? Did they say why? I, I did ask. I did ask. But usually you get the usual answer. She did better in the interview. <laughs> That's the usual answer you get. So I, nowadays I don't even ask those questions. Because I don't like working where I'm not wanted. Mm. I've got a one basic principle. I can do my best where I'm loud, where I want wanted, where I'm looked after very well. And that is why in Vigan, I told everybody, happy staff, happy patient. Let us make sure our staff are happy. They are proud to be a part of this organization. That is how we transformed Vigan. Mm. Mm. Um, in the origin, you, you, you said that you interviewed at the GMC. Well, how, how did you know that, that they were racist? What, what, what is it that... Um... It's a body language. I am oh. very good at it. I have provided training to 700 overseas doctors about mm. communications. Because mm. many overseas doctors have contacted me. It is to do with our culture, the mm. way we speak. 
You see, when I came to this country in 1982, within a week, I learned the best lesson of my life. When a senior nurse told me, Dr. Ru, you are rude. And I was shocked. I said, mm. why? She said, you don't say please and thank you. <laughs> so I just changed my habit. Mm. So mm. it is a habit which we don't realize. So mm. me and my friend, we provided communication skill to training to 700 doctors. Mm. And it really helped me a lot. The 14 things you do, the politeness, courtesy, using please and thank you. Mm. And that's the reason why. When you're in a room, you have to behave with a Roman. You have to be a Roman. Mm. You have mm. to behave like that. Mm. And that's the reason why. I, you know, th so that's the reason why. I, I'm very good at body language. Mm. I can assess somebody what they think within a short period mm. because I observe everybody. Mm. And in mm. that particular interview, the way they asked me questions, the way they treated me, mm. no smile, and more and more difficult the questions were. Hmm. Then I realized I was not getting the job anyway. So I also became overconfident. I also hmm. gave them back the answers which they asked me. So eventually I knew I'm not going to get the job. I'm glad I didn't get the job because NKS, I was national advisor for 15 years. One of the best jobs I had done. I had fantastic training by the barristers about professional regulation, how to protect patients. And I really enjoyed that job. And I had an amazing colleague. That's a one more example. In NKS, there were 32 colleagues. Out of those, 30 were white. But by God, we had a fantastic relationship. Mm -hmm. So, it, it, you know, it's it's that loving relationship which which you mentioned. You know, the actual um, humanistic culture that's present within an organization makes a massive impact in and how how people work and how people are accepted as a whole it's very it's, it's very common sense you know people ask me how vegan was transformed i think common sense is not that common you see what happens there are two things you need for it to be work very well number one you have to be trained very well mm. number two you have to be happy in the workplace mm. number three you got to have a good team where you mm. feel you are involved sense of belonging is the most important human sense mm. why do mm. we care for our family because they are our family mm. why do you care for our own people because they are our people the sense of belonging is the most important sense for the human being. And with human being, if you don't feel integral part of the organization or a team or a country, some people destroy the same country. Mm. I mm. expected Manchester bomb as soon as the London bomb. I told my wife, next big bomb will be in Manchester. If you look at unemployment figure, mm. if you look mm. at ghettos, if you look at when the people don't have sense of belonging, that is the danger. Mm. So mm. most important in any team is to have a good culture, mm. good teamwork, good, you know, caring for staff, making sure, you know, how are you today? The mm. positive energy, mm. asking. That is what I introduced in, in, in Vigor. I used to send nice email to consultant who work very hard. Mm, and one yeah. consultant said, Umesh, 27 years, nobody had appreciated what I've done. Mm -hmm. Within a week, you send me such a lovely email. Mm. Human beings remember the good things you do to them. Mm. If mm. you do bad things, they will never forget. <laughs> you know, that's the reason why. We have to inspire our staff. We have to motivate them. We have to appreciate day in and day out how hard many of these staff work. Mm. And that is what we created. We created a lot of positive energy in Vidan because I was determined to transform that trust. What what gives you the positive energy to 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 give it out to other people? I'm always positive. I'm always I'm a very <laughs> positive person. I'm a happy go lucky chap. I know I got a very I think I see good in others because that's what my grandma told me. See good in others. Do good to others. So I'm a very happy go lucky chap. Mm. 
I take everything lightly in life. I always say, you know, we are born with nothing. One day we are going to die with nothing. Yeah. What we leave behind is our legacy. I told both my children, leave your legacy behind, but make it a good one. Mm. So that people will remember when you leave, he or she was a nice person. He or she helped me. That is what it is. A good leader is create such a culture so that everybody is happy. But important for you to have succession planning. Because if a good leader leaves, if there is no succession planning, once again, organization goes down. In Wigan, I'm very proud. I appointed 22 handpicked very good medical leaders. Two of them have become now medical directors. And quite a few have now become divisional medical director and clinical director. So the good work continues. So you're quite positive about the future in the NHS? I think, I think that's very important for us. I am positive, but provided if the doctors take on leadership role. Hmm. Very important. But doctors have got the best ability. But a good leader takes everybody with him or her. For a good leader, everyone matters. There is no distinction. Whether you're a nurse, whether you're a pharmacist, you have to reflect, you have to respect everyone, you have to treat everyone, you have to use everybody's skill and treat them with respect and listen to them. Then we got a bright future. But, but it's going to be a huge challenge. Mahatma Gandhi says, leader's life is meant for sacrifice, not for indulgence. Mm -hmm. That is the most important. A leader must remember, he or she is a servant of the people. Leader must remember, he knows who is the best leader in the team for which job. Mm. That is why a leader must appoint the right leader. What gives me hopes is few things. Number one, Simon Stephen himself. I have met him many times. He is determined to transform. But he will not be able to do it without taking doctors and nurses with him. Mm. Number two, Mr. Jeremy Hunt. I met Mr. Hunt many times. He's a nice man. He has now gone, but I think he That's has quite failed controversial. to <laughs> There are many people out yeah, there. I'll, I'll, come to that. I'll come to that. I'll come to that. He has not taken doctors with him. Mm. He has not taken nurses with him. And the junior doctor strike was the biggest mistake, how it was handled. Mm. But I don't have any doubt because I have met him many times. He is the met many patient group. He always put the patient at the heart, but he didn't. He did a lot of mistakes. I can tell you more mistakes what he has done. But hopefully, the new health secretary mm. is going to change it. But one more person who gives me real hopes is the new BMA chairman, Chan Nath. Yes. BMA has let the patients down. BMA has left the doctors down. I have been telling BMA for the last 15 years. Let us work together. I can tell you how to make NHS safest and the best. Look at the legal action. It was Bapio who took the legal action when there was immigration changes. Mm. It was Bapio which challenged the exam result. Where was the BMA, which is supposed to be representing doctors? Mm. That's a question I've been asking BMA for a long time. But now there is a new chairman, Chan Nagpal. I have met him many times. And he and now many BMA leaders have realized the culture of bullying, culture of racism, we got to address it. I'm hopeful that we will all be able to work together and transform. Because at the end of the day, we all need safest and the best NHS. You mm -hmm. know, last year I had sepsis. I had four cancers suspected. I received a fantastic treatment. You know, it amazes me when I meet doctors. I said, guys, you sacrifice your life for NHS. Mm -hmm. You work in NHS. You know what NHS needs. You're going to die in NHS. What better reasons you need to be a leader and mm. transform 
NHS and social care. Um, when do you think we should be teaching leadership? Because, you know, you're saying it's so important as doctors. I mean, are we talking about medical school? Are we talking about schools? Are we talking about parents when they bring up children? How early do we instill right. this let, in them? Let me, let, let me tell you, I've looked at a lot of evidence about, you know, whether we are selecting the right people to be doctors. To be honest with you, we are selecting the right people because intelligence is extremely important for the doctors. Mm, mm. But it is the attitude. It is mm. the behavior. Mm. Unfortunately, doctors have got ego. Doctors have got jealousy. And that is what comes in the way of us being a good doctors. Then some people become greedy. Mm. And that's the reason why. To be a leader, you have to forget all these things. You have to let your ego go. And you should not be very greedy. Mahatma Gandhi says there is enough for our everybody's need, but there is not enough for everybody's greed. Yeah. So we doctors have to realize. To start, I think we have to start teaching them undergraduate. What is leadership? What is management? What is NHS? Let me give you an example. Recently, I met my friend's son, who is a consultant in a teaching hospital. Mm. I said, yeah. you know, how much we spend on NHS? His answer shocked me. He said, uncle, who cares? Mm. Imagine mm, a mm. consultant who works in NHS tells me who cares how much NHS spends. That tells me he has not failed. We have failed him mm. by not teaching him the value of NHS. You know, I ask this question regularly now in my presentation. Many people don't know how much we spend. We spend 127 billion pounds on NHS. Mm, mm. We can save 20 to 25 billion if we transform. And if you make doctors into leaders, we use digital transformation, cultural transformation, put patient safety, stop working in silos, medicine. I can tell you where we waste 24 billion if you have time. Tell me, tell me. Yeah, right. Patient safety incident cost three billion pound. Number one. Last year, medical legal bill is 1.2 billion pound. Potential medical legal bill is 15 billion pound. If every patient who suffers due to medical mistake, sues the NHS, the total bill is around 15 billion pounds. Mm. Number three, private consultancy, one billion pound. Culture of bullying cost around one billion pound. How, 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 how do you mean culture of bullying? And what, I'll come to that, I'll yeah. come to that. Let me finish now. Now, medicine, we spend 16 billion pound. We can save 2.4 billion pound in medicine if you assess elderly care patients who are on multi-pharmacy, if you rationalize the medicine. Yeah. So there are many ways in which we can, and clinical variation between the consultant, between the team, inefficiency in elective side, not the emergency side, mm. canceled operation, patient who are in the hospital who should be in the community. If we had all those things, we can probably save 20 to 25 billion pounds. Mm. The question that you asked me, which was the question? A bullying, bull, uh, no, yeah. you ask me. Yeah, so those are the ways in which we can reduce the cost. Um, yeah. You said that you can reduce by 1.5 billion if you address or tackle bullying. Approximately 1 billion. Yeah. And there are three studies. There are three studies. One said it is 250 million pound. One said 700 million pound. My approximate calculation is around 1 billion. I'll tell you where we spent. Number one is suspended doctors and nurses. If you look at National Audit Office report, somewhere in 1995, they said each year NHS spends 45 million pounds on suspended staff. Mm. It's crazy. Number two, if you look at absence and sickness, stress of the staff, the amount you pay for the investigation, 
GMC spent last year 17 million pound on lawyers, disciplining only 50 doctors. Mm. Is it the right way to spend money? I told the GMC, give me 1 million, I will train the doctors how to be a good doctor. And so, that is what, if you add all those things, absence, sickness, and investigation cost, everything, and so sickness and absence, stress of the staff, hmm. all those things, if you add together, probably we are spending one billion. Hmm. Hmm. So do, do you suggest that a bullying doctor should be just suspended or thrown Absolutely. out? Absolutely. Absolutely no. Hmm. Absolutely no. No investigation. See, always, no, no. Always you have to understand the reason why. In hmm. vegan, what I did was, let me tell you, 80% of consultants never gave me any headache, hmm. no complaints. No litigation, nothing, 80%. Mm, mm, so mm. you got a group of doctors who will basically do very well. So you got to focus on remaining 20%. Mm. What I put a robust system, I used to go through complaints, litigation, coroner's feedback, SUI, clinical incidents, anybody can come and see me, 70 staff have come to see me. And weekly, I used to chair that meeting, which I call clinical governance meeting. Mm. Everything is documented, everything is discussed openly, and from there, we decide to take action. If any consultant is rude to anybody, it is brought to my attention, I will go and meet the consultant. Mm. We'll have an open and honest discussion. And let me tell you, two of our consultant whom everybody said were difficult had autism, and nobody had diagnosed. Mm. Mm. I just changed the job plan. Mm. And I felt sorry when I met this cardiologist, one of the nicest person you can meet. Because he has autism, he doesn't like people. Hmm. And when people ask him three or four questions, he gets very upset. So I gave him some simple tips hmm. and he did very well. Hmm. No complaints over 18 months. Then there is one more chap who is, you know, made few patient wrong diagnosis, but he had autism and nobody had helped him. I personally, our job is to not to get rid of doctors. Our job is to understand why they become like this, how we can help them. There are some people you can never help. They don't <laughs> gain the spot. You have to get rid of it. Mm. Mm. Yeah. It's so not easy. It is, it's not difficult because I was trained by the NKS. I have now, let me tell you, in Vegan, I've dismissed six consultants. One was sexually molesting patient. One was drinking alcohol while on duty. One was stealing drugs. One was repeatedly telling lies. All of them were overseas trained. All of them were locum doctors. Mm. Evidence has suggested in GMC and NCAST that locum doctors are three times more likely to face the, you know, to pose the risk. Hmm. And I think we got to understand why this is the case. I think I now know the answer. Because number one, they don't get feedback. Hmm. And they make mistakes. Number two, some of them are very greedy. They're only after money. Hmm. But some, I think because every human being, there is a group of people who exploit others' weakness. Hmm. So what we got to do is we got to understand why people are doing locum, how we can help them, how we can give them feedback, because locum provide a fantastic care mm. to NHS. Yeah. We cannot do without locums, yeah. but it's important duty of the NHS to look after locum doctors. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, it is our, our aim is not to get rid of bullies, our aim is to get rid of bullying. Yes, yes, totally different... Um, ways of thinking um have you been a bully yourself or have you yes let me tell you I, I, because this is my passion i wrote about bullying article long time ago for the when the registrar contacted me i've been accused of bullying i have bullied because i didn't realize it 
And mm. let me tell you, one of the junior doctors taught me best lesson of my life. She was the most hardworking, sincere doctor. I never praised her for one year. One day she made a mistake and mm. child suffered. I lost my cool in the wardrobe. I shouted at her in front of the family. I didn't realize I was bullying at that time. Yeah. I just lost my cool because child had suffered. And that evening, she taught me one of my best lessons. She came to see me. She cried for one hour. She said, Dr. Prabhu, I worked with you for one year very hard. You never praised me. You never thanked me. I made one mistake. You shouted at front of the family. What do they think of me now? That was the last time I ever gave feedback to my consult doctors, junior doctors, negative feedback in front of anybody. I would always call them to my office. I'll do it nicely, gently, and that's the lesson I learned. But when I want to praise them, I praise them loudly. From that day onwards, mm -hmm. every weekend after my ward round, I would write nice email to my junior doctors saying, look, I looked at your patient. I wish I could clap like that. <laughs> you must be very proud. And they always remembered that. And the same thing I introduced in Vegan, not only for junior doctors, but also for the consultant. I created a lot of energy, thanking them, praising them. That is what we have to do. We are not good at it. Look at when NHS, NHS contacts a consultant. After 20 years service, here is a complaint, please answer. We never thank them. We never praise them. We have to create a positive energy. So that was the only time I was accused of bullying. The consultant I dismissed in Wigan, they accused me of bullying five times, but trust conducted independent investigation, didn't find evidence because I had documented everything. Mm. And with some consultant, I will always have a witness for the meeting because I have now learned how to have a meeting with the consultant because some consultants, even if I give them 10,000 pounds, they say I have bullied them. So for those consultants, I always have a witness when I have a meeting. My secretary documents, I've taught her how to write. At the end, she writes my behavior. She writes summary of the doctor's behavior. And that is what I was able to show when the independent investigation was done. So there's a lot of, um, you know, as, as you mentioned, body language is essential. Behavior is essential. Cultures. These are all aspects that probably um, we haven't had enough training in. That's something yeah. that... Um, um, needs fact, to change. It, that's the most important point in this interview. I think we are not training doctors. We train doctors to be good clinicians. That's mm. all. Mm. We don't train to be a nice human being, how to communicate very well, how to document things very well. Because document is not writing pages. It's writing the most relevant findings. How to deal with com complaints. How to deal when somebody criticizes your treatment. How to give feedback. Giving a feedback is an art. You see, whenever I want to give feedback, I tell good 10 good things about the consultant mm. before I come to the negative point. Mm. But mm. negative point should not be ignored because earlier you give feedback given nicely, vast majority of human beings change. Mm. Human beings change for three things. 80% of human beings change if I tell them what's the benefit for the patient. I'm yet to meet a consultant, good consultant, who would not do anything for patients. Then there are another 18% where system has spoiled them. What is in it for me? Waiting list initiative, more money. So you've got to understand them. Mm, mm, mm. You may have to have more meeting. Some are stressed. Some got autism. So that is what. Sometimes some consultants need three or four meetings. But last one to two percent, you have to sack them. You have to dismiss them. But they are for serious conduct issues, serious behavior problem, entrant behavior they can't change. And finally, for poor care. 
The consultant had to dismiss with a lot of patient wrong diagnosis. The whole thing is interesting. There were concerns when you were being trained, but he used the race card, so nobody did anything about it. Mm. Mm. But 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 obviously you um, you confronted that. Yes. Is it because you are you you are from a race as well, or is it just just who you are? I think it's a nice. My, I got experience. I got a very high moral values. You know, Martin Luther King says, injustice anywhere denies justice everywhere. I got very wrong, very good principle of what is right and wrong. If it's my son, I would sack him. Because mm. that is what leadership is all about. Leadership is about doing the right thing, right time, every time. Mm. You should never worry whether it's your relative, whether it's your friend. I told my Indian, Indian consultant in Wigan, guys, my leadership is tested the way I treat Pakistani consultant, white consultant, and others. Not you. You are my friends. Mm. A leader must always remember. Leader must remember the impact of your behavior on others. Mm. Leader must remember the fairness. Leader must understand their own subconscious bias. And leader must lead from the front, lead by, lead by example. Mm. I'm a very self-disciplined person. I go to bed at 10 o'clock, I get up at 4 o'clock in the morning. When I tell you my meeting at 9 o'clock, I expect me to be there before 9 o'clock. <laughs> it's only when I am self-disciplined, I have any right to discipline others. That is why I told GMC, yesterday I was giving a presentation, I told GMC off, because I have collected quite a few GMC cases where BME doctors' life has been ruined. Yeah, yeah, you mean the uh, B BME uh, as in... Um, black and ethnic minority. Yeah, black, yeah. Black yeah. and ethnic minority yeah. or black Asians and ethnic minority. Yeah. That's my special interest and I have given. For example, let me tell you, a cardiologist was referred to GMC. The GMC expert was academic cardiologist, doesn't even do clinical work. Mm, yeah. With one case, he said, doctor's fitness to practice is impact. Mm. It took us 18 months to overturn that decision. And this man was a broken man, just with one case who has given the life to NHS. Then there was a GP, vegan GP, one of the nicest GP, single-handed GP, works very hard, trained in India. One day he called me. I was shocked. He missed a cancer, difficult cancer, only for two weeks. Mm. And the family referred him to GMC. GMC experts said just with one case, his fitness to practice his impact. I had to then find somebody outside expert to give an opinion. He was a nice man. He said, absolutely no. He had done everything right and GMC closed the case, but it is after six to nine months of agony. When That's I was devastating. I mean, you know, uh, I wouldn't know how that feels unless I'm in that situation, but it's, it's, it's devastating. I mean, I've seen what's happened to people who were being investigated and it just changes them to the core. Yeah, absolutely. I was referred twice to GMC. First time, by a family, GMC handled it very well. I have no complaint. Second time, one of the doctors I had dismissed, and GMC didn't even tell me they were investigating me for five months. Mm. It's only when I was looking for my revalidation, I rang them because I know them very well. They said, Umesh, there's a letter on its way. You know, mm. G GMC, if it can't regulate itself, then it has no right to regulate doctors. How did you feel at the time? What, what, what did it make you feel? When you I, was very, I was very angry. I was very bitter. Hmm. But because I know them very well, I wrote an email directly to Terence Stevenson. He apologized. But hmm. I said, Terence, you have every right to investigate me, but you have no right not to tell me. 
Mm. For six months? Yeah, yeah. I mean, just imagine how sort of an average doctor would feel if that happened to them rather than absolutely someone in your right. position. Absolutely right. You are absolutely That is the reason why in vegan I support all these doctors. Anybody refer to GNC, anybody where I feel restriction, anybody, I always keep in touch with them. I will also give you a list of seven senior consultants whom we have trained as mentors. They can keep in touch because that is the highest risk for doctors. Mm. 27 doctors have committed suicide, 84 have died. Vast majority risk is within a first one month of suspension. Yeah, I so mean the support. You know, the support the is. Week. You know, the support is really wafer thin in these situations. Uh, absolutely right. Four hundred BME doctors have contacted me. Only forty percent have been treated correctly. I've seen so much irregularities. Number two, there is absolutely no support because of trust users confidentiality clause and tells them not to discuss with anybody. How crazy the system is. That is the most important time when these doctors need help and support. They are the second victims. As I said, only one to two percent doctors should be dismissed. Ninety-eight percent need help and support. So BMA has failed, FMLM has failed, GMC has failed, everyone has failed the medical profession. At the most, the medical profession itself has failed. We have to support these doctors. We have to understand it may be us tomorrow. Mm. So in Vegan, I implemented some very good system of support for these doctors. Could you describe some of these support and how we can sort of extend it nationally? First and foremost, you know, first and foremost, I sent an email within a week of joining every consultant, every staff. Look, I'm here for you. I'm your servant. I'm very proud of what you do. But if you make a mistake, please come and tell me because I've seen so many tragedies. Mm. And seven consultants came to see me when they made mistake within half an hour. Nurses have contacted me mm. and junior doctors have contacted me. Number two, we trained senior consultants as mentors. Mm. And I, we, I give them the list of mentors whom they can contact. Mm. I also tell them they can contact GMC, they can contact NCAS, they can contact BMA, they can contact their own defense union. Mm. And I myself would ring them every four weeks to update them mm. when I was investigating. Mm. I learned all these things from NCAS. Mm. And that is what I had to restrict on the best surgeon because there were concerns about his uh, outcome. And he said, Umesh, one thing I remember, you ringing me every two to three weeks, that meant a lot. But I also tell them, for example, there was a tragic case of a pediatrician, a baby died, she was not able to intubate. And I knew she was, she gets nervous with the preterm babies. But fortunately for her, the expert said outcome would not have been difficult or different because this baby was very sick by the time due to sepsis. And I was able to help her to change the job. And she's now a community pediatrician and enjoying her job. I told my consultant, I told my staff, I'm not here to dismiss anybody. Mm. I'm here to protect patients. But you are as important as the patient and the family. But we must always be honest with the family. We'll always tell them truly. They will have full say what action I take. But you have to make sure you contact your own defense union. You have to seek independent advice. Mm -hmm. And and when you mean independent advice, you mean legal advice or medical advice? or It's a medical defense union. Mm -hmm. it, because every doctor must be a member of defense union. Mm -hmm. Every doctor must mm -hmm. have a trade union. 
because the cover is different. Mm. Defense Union doesn't cover you for conduct allegation. Mm. Right. Very important to remember. So GMs, that is the reason why BMA doesn't cover you if it is clinical capability. Mm. So both are important. My duty is to tell them where to get help. Mm. Occupational health. I always refer the doctor to occupational health because many are under stress. Mm. Many completely lose their confidence. Many panic, mm. and some some doctors start drinking excessively. Mm. Some mm. start taking drugs. So it's our duty. My duty as a medical director to protect our staff as well. And my consultants, our consultants, mean a lot to me. So I used to I put all these systems in place. Mm-hmm. And is is this being replicated elsewhere? To your Absolutely knowledge? no. And that is what my biggest worry is. Hoping now with the BMA contact I have now established, I'm hoping to make sure BMA will make it mandatory. Mm-hmm. Because that is why vegan transformation is very important. There are a lot of lessons to learn from that. It's because of my experience as an NPSA advisor. It's because of my experience as an NKS advisor for the country and as a GMC advisor for the last 10 years, I've learned all these things. What we should not forget is, mm. at the end of the day, it's all about humanity. Mm. It's all about human being. Whether there's a patient who suffers, or a doctor who makes a mistake, or a nurse, we've got to treat them humanely, mm. kindly. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is really important uh, talk and really important information. And obviously, once... Um, uh, this message goes out. We will have links to uh, your contact details, if that's okay, and the associations that you're part of, if that's okay with you. And if anyone's Absolutely going no through problem. any difficulties, anyone that, that, that needs help or support, um, having that human connection, we are here, we are available, and Umesh is available, and he'll be more than happy to help you. Because as he said, this is... This is what makes us human, and at the end of the day, um, it's for the benefit of all of us because we're all getting older. We'll all be treated in the NHS, and we, it will affect us no matter where we are um, uh, in the food chain. Here, um, we're coming towards the end of the um, uh, the podcast, and this is our first interview with Umesh, and I'm sure it's not our last. There are many issues that need to be reiterated and repeated and maybe uh, expanded on in certain areas but um, it's been a very very fruitful introduction into this area Um, I like to ask this question of all my guests Um, I'm hoping you can answer it as much as you can what's the naughtiest thing you've ever done Yumesh? (laughs) Quite a few, quite a few, where do I begin? (laughs) (laughs) What's the most? I think, the, you know, I think it's a very difficult question for me to answer or remember suddenly. But I think, you know, some, I have made a lot of mistakes in my life. My, my my biggest regret is when I was the medical director of Berry, I didn't know what leadership was. Mm. You know, the, the way I spoke to some of the difficult consultants, I regret it. Mm. But I had to then change my own leadership style when I studied Mahatma Gandhi, Nelson Mandela. And that's the reason why. Today I laugh at it. Today I use it as an example. Mm. And my biggest regret is that baby who developed brain damage. Mm. You know, I made two serious mistakes in my 20 years. And second one was in 92, I missed partially treated meningitis and that baby developed convulsion. That was devastating. Mm. Somebody's child, somebody's child now has got brain damage. And those are the things, many doctors, they never forget these cases. Yeah, And that's yeah. the reason why. 
But I want to leave you before the IUC, and I just want to tell all the doctors, this is our NHS. We need a good NHS. We need a safe NHS. We need a best NHS. You all work, the 165,000 doctors. The system doesn't change because we want, it, want the system to change. Mm. System will change when we become the system and change it, mm. or when we challenge the system and change it. Mm. That is why I challenge, I'm controversial in Twitter, because nobody listened to me. I have met 48 senior leaders of NHS. I met Jeremy Hunt. I met Simon Stevens. And I met BMA. I met GMC. I'm 63 years old. My wife is begging me to retire. I said, darling, at 18, nobody wants me. You can have me full. Until then, I got a job to do. My request to all of you, be confident about our NHS and make it safest and the best and leave your legacy behind. I'm always here. I'm on LinkedIn. I'm on Twitter. I'm, that's the reason why I started tweeting. I now got 24,000 followers. It is not about me because my children have done extremely well. But I want all of us to have the best NHS. And what a legacy it will be when we as doctors, nurses, make our NHS safest and the best for each and every patient. Amazing, Yumesh. You've been absolutely wonderful today. Uh, thank you for your time and effort and, and the important messages that you're giving out today and, and the important legacy. And I think once we tap into our, our, our legacy and our, and our change, uh, amazing things will happen. Thank you so much, Yumesh. Thank you, everyone. Yes, Yumesh. Thank you very much for giving me your time and asking me some wonderful questions. Thanks. You're welcome. Thank you so much for listening today and uh, looking forward to um, seeing you again on Surgical Spirit. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to this installment of the Surgical Spirit podcast. For all the latest in the world of Surgical Spirit, don't forget to follow on Twitter at the third eye doc and catch me on facebook at the page the third eye doctor you can visit the website at www.thethirdeyedoctor.co.uk for more information on the work that i do and please send us feedback and questions and suggestions for the podcast it's always a pleasure to hear from you i've been dr haida al-hakim and i'll see you next time <laughs>